folks still ready to unleash your passionate worship for Jesus? I, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to stir it up, all right? I'm, I hope by the time we get to the end of our time in the Word this morning that you can't contain yourself because we're going to allow that to be vented. How many of you know part of why we come to church on Sunday is not to go through a religious ceremony, but it's to encounter Jesus. It's to give our hearts to Him a fresh way. It's to love Him. It's to hear His Word. It's to purpose in our hearts that we're going to not only hear the Word of God, but we're going to act on the Word of God. So today we're going to have a chance to respond to the Word, uh, and I encourage you to do that. We're going to give you some biblical guidelines on, on what all that means. But while we're uh, receiving the offering, if you could multitask with me and open up your Bibles to Luke chapter 2. Luke chapter 2, we're going to go to a familiar Christmas season passage of Scripture. I was reading Luke 1 and 2 um, all this week and just chewing on it, but God was downloading some great things, and as I was looking at this, the Lord said, hey, we're going to do it a little bit differently on Sunday. I said, great, you're in charge, you're in charge, and so we're going to end by putting this passage into practice, but if you have your Bibles or you've got your phone or your iPad or whatever it is that you're looking on with, uh, go ahead and turn to Luke chapter 2. We're going to start uh, with verses 8 through 15, all right? Luke chapter 2, verses 8 through 15. It says, that night there were shepherds staying in the fields nearby, guarding their flocks of sheep. And suddenly an angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. And notice there's the familiar pattern we've seen. They were terrified. But the angel reassured them. Don't be afraid, he said. I bring you good news that will bring great joy to all people. The Savior, yes, the Messiah, the Lord, has been born today in Bethlehem, the city of David, and you will recognize him by this sign. You will find a baby wrapped snugly in strips of cloth, lying in a manger. And here's another suddenly that happens in just a couple of verses. Suddenly again, the angel was joined by a vast host of others, the armies of heaven, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest and peace on earth to those with whom God is pleased. And when the angels had returned to heaven, the shepherds said to each other, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. I want you to see the pattern once again. We've been talking about the transcendence of God. Even at the birth of Christ, it is witnessed by a great glorious display of God's power and majesty. And I want you to put yourself in the in the uh, place of these shepherds. You know, what I love about the fact that God chose to reveal himself to shepherds is every one of us in this room, every working man in this room that gets up every day, heads off to work, you work hard, uh, you come home, you, you try to provide for your family, you might feel like your job is not all that glamorous or not all that spectacular, uh, kind of like shepherds. How many of you know these guys are hanging out in the field with a bunch of sheep? It's a normal night, might have been chilly standing there before, under the, the, the heavenly canopy. But all of a sudden, the Bible says, suddenly something happened. These guys were at their posts. These guys were guarding their flocks. They were doing their jobs. And how many of you know in the Christian life, and I just want to encourage us with this, in the Christian walk, it's not all about burning bushes. It's not all about dazzling displays of God's transcendent presence. Can anybody say Amen. I don't want to minimize those because God still does those things. And don't we all enjoy it when his glory shows up in in amazing supernatural ways? In fact, I don't know about you, but I'm hungry for more. How about you? 
I know that he's the same yesterday, today, and forever. And I know that he loves to display his glory. But I'm just telling you this. Sometimes you get up, you go to work, you get your kids off to school, you pay your bills, you go buy groceries, and you collapse at night, and you don't feel like you've had any God encounters throughout the day. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Just making sure I got the right crowd. But there's something about showing up. There's something about being at your post. There's something, let me, let me bring this into the Christian walk. There is something about having a God-centered and God-focused orientation to your life to where your feet, one foot's going in front of the other and you're moving somewhere in God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Man, you wake up in the morning and you spend time in the Word. Sometimes heaven comes down and glory fills your soul. Sometimes you just feel like you were reading words. I get it. Uh, But you know what? You crack it open every morning and you read. You talk to the Lord every day. You try to take what the Word says and you try your best to obey God and to do what's right. Well, nobody else in my business is doing what's right, but you do what's right. But nobody else around me is honoring God with this choice or that choice. But I'm going to honor God with that choice. And here's what I'm telling you. The time comes when something suddenly happens, something dramatic happens, when God shows up in ways that stun you, when there's an answer to prayer, when there's a divine appointment, when there's something that breaks loose, and suddenly you realize you've been set up by God. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? I want to encourage you, stay at your post. Stay guarding your flock. Stay out there with your sheep. Stay doing what God's asked you to do. God is revealing himself. He's no respecter of persons. In fact, he reveals himself in this situation to a bunch of shepherds out with a bunch of sheep. It was very much out of nowhere, out in the middle of nowhere. And that's where God chose to, to put on this amazing light show. It was like this heavenly uh, co- chorus that appears, and it appears to a handful of shepherds who are simply doing what they're always doing. But God's suddenly, his unexpectedly's in our lives are what we live for, do we not? I love it when God surprises me. I love it when God meets me. I love it. How many of you love it when you're and when your time with Jesus ends up with you on the ground weeping, uh, or you crying because you're, you popped in that worship CD and the presence of God is all over you. How many of you love, come on, I see Patty out there. Yes, yes, that's what makes us addicts for Christ in a good way. It makes us desirous for more, and our desire for more pleases God. So I want to encourage you, there are going to be suddenlies that happen in your life. Keep your eyes on God. Keep your expectancy on the Lord and watch what he does. Suddenly, the shepherds were surrounded, not only by sheep, but by the glory of God. Now imagine this, you're out in the dark, all you have is the stars for your lights. And suddenly, the Bible says, the angel of the Lord appeared among them, and the radiance of the Lord's glory surrounded them. This is amazing. All of a sudden, the Shekinah, like we saw uh, on the Mount of Transfiguration, when Jesus, his divinity burst out of his humanity, and he couldn't be contained. That blazing light of God's glory was shining all around them in this field, and they were scared. In fact, I want you to see uh, what happens next. If you go to, actually, go to Luke chapter 1, I want to show you this familiar pattern. Zechariah the priest showing up for work, showing up at his priestly duty that week. And all of a sudden, the Bible says in, in Luke chapter 1 that Gabriel shows up, this angel, this messenger from God. And it says, Zechariah the priest was shaken 
overwhelmed and fearful. And then it moves on to the next paragraph, and it talks about Gabriel left Zechariah, and Gabriel went to Mary, and he delivered the news to Mary that, that it was God's desire for her to bring forth the Son of God, the Messiah, Jesus Christ, our Savior. And interesting enough, let's look at the same response with Mary. It's, the Bible says she was confused, she was disturbed, and she was afraid. I just want to tell you that as we properly see the Lord, as we properly honor His Word, as we properly bring our hearts before Him in worship, there should be a sense of holy fear that grips our heart, that the last thing we want to do is dishonor God. The last thing we want to do, how about this, is miss God's purposes for our generation. The last thing we want to do is just fall into a religious routine. Are you all with me this morning? That's the last thing we want to do. There's a fear in our hearts that says we want to properly honor God. We want to make sure our lives are living at a maxed out rate for his glory while we're here. That's what it means to know him and love him. And so every time God shows up in amazing ways, people have the same response, fear. Which is why, look what happens, the angel brings good news, and I want to unpack the good news for us this morning. Here's the first part of that good news, don't be afraid. Now, I want to remind you, every time angels show up in the Bible, people do not run up and hug them and kiss them and say, this is awesome, tell me what you're here for. They never do that. Every time, here's Gabriel showing up. I don't know what Gabriel looks like, but Gabriel must be awesome says in Luke chapter 1, Gabriel stands in the presence of God. I bet just the reflected glory coming off of this being was so spectacular, it freaked everybody out that he came in contact with. I heard my professor at Taylor, Mark, you remember Dr. Mark Cosgrove probably while you were at Taylor? Mark Cosgrove said that Adam and Eve were probably somewhere in the neighborhood of eight feet tall. They were beautiful, and they were geniuses because of the lack of the effect of sin over the course of time. So just Adam and Eve would have been awesome to look at, and we would have felt like little midgets in their presence. How much more a glorious angel who stands in the presence of God as a messenger of the Most High God. Your natural response would be one that this thing is going to hurt me. And so the first thing, angels, when you go to angel school, you learn this, this course. Okay, whenever you interact with lowly human beings, first thing you want to say, don't be afraid. Let's practice that together. Okay, don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. You know, uh, that's what they learn in angel school when they visit people, all right? Because it's the same everywhere we go. We freak out of these things. So the first thing the angel says is don't be afraid. But I was reading in Luke 1 again, and this is Zechariah's prophecy. This is what he said. We have been rescued from our enemies so we can serve God without fear in holiness and righteousness for as long as we live. How many of you know the angel's not just saying don't be afraid, but here's the good news. Church, here's the good news. You don't have to be afraid. Afraid of whom? Afraid of a holy God. You don't have to be afraid of standing before God in your sin. Somebody is coming who's going to take all of your sin and my sin upon himself. Somebody is coming who's going to remove the punishment we deserve. Somebody is coming who's going to send the Holy Spirit to live inside of us. Somebody who's coming 
that's going to give us the power to live in victory over every single enemy of ours. We're going to have victory over Satan. We'll have victory over every demonic force. We'll have victory, as Joe talked about, over our own flesh. This is good news. Don't be afraid because you are going to live in the power and the glory and the greatness and the presence of God forever and ever and ever. This is the good news of the gospel. Don't be afraid, church. We're coming into the presence of the Lord. So the Bible says, come boldly. Jesus says, come boldly. Come boldly into my presence. We don't have to be afraid. This is good news. And this was the first message. Don't be afraid. But then he says something else. And this, this to me, if, if you're ever wanting to share the gospel over the holiday season with somebody, and, and, and you're like, well, how, what do, how do I share the gospel? Here's the gospel. Jesus is good news of great joy for all people. Isn't that simple? He's the good news of great joy for everybody. First of all, the, the gospel's good news, which means when you share it, put a smile on your face. Don't wear that old normal Christian face, all right? Put a smile on that face. It's good news, and we need to be able to tell people, I've got good news for you. What's the good news? You do not have to live under this cloud of depression and gloom and despair and hopelessness uh, because of the weight of your sin. You can rip that thing off, the shame, the guilt, the despair, and you can live with newfound joy that carries you through every circumstance in life, the mountaintops, the valleys, everything in between. How many of you have experienced an infusion of God's joy in your heart since Jesus came into your life? Come on. Amen. Even in the tough seasons, even in the tough battles, it doesn't rob us of our joy. We still hold on to joy. In fact, our joy is what carries Christians through the most difficult times when godless people end up sinking and burning because they've got nothing to hold on to. It's the joy of the Lord that's our strength. And I love this. This is why we go to the nations. I preached in, in Pakistan on that verse right there. Good news, great joy for all people because how many of you know Jesus didn't just come for Americans? Jesus didn't just die for a certain class of people. The good news is for everybody. Pakistanis, Indians, the Chinese, the Russians, uh, all across the globe, there's good news of great joy for everybody. Now think about this. Jesus Christ is so great. He has the ability to bring great joy to the entire planet. doesn't matter what culture you're from. Jesus brings great joy. That's why we carry him to the nations. That's why we take him to our neighborhood. That's why I encourage you this week, invite your neighbors to come out and be with us next week so we have a chance to demonstrate good news and great joy for all people. But I want you to see what, why there's good news. This is, the, this is the centerpiece of the gospel right here. And this is why we're going to worship in just a moment. There's three names given right in this one verse for, for the Lord. The first one is they call him Savior. The Bible says, she will have a son, Mary, and you are to name him Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. We cannot celebrate Christmas apart from the shadow of the cross because that's why Jesus came. Christmas and Easter are a one-two punch. If Jesus never would have came, he never could have gone to the cross, but he only came for one reason, and that was to finally get to the cross and to die as the Savior for our sins, to pay, take our place, to, to shed his perfect blood and to give us his perfect righteousness. The Bible also says here that he's not just the Savior, he's the Messiah, he's the Christ. Our word Christ is the English word for Christos, which means the anointed one. 
How many of you know when you look to Jesus, he's the one that God laid his hands upon his head, anointed him, uh, blessed him, commissioned him, sent him on his mission, anointed him with the Holy Spirit. And he is the one who has the power to break every chain. And I want to tell you this morning, I don't know how you came here, what's going on in your life, what challenges that you're facing, but here's the good news. Jesus is greater. Jesus is more powerful. Jesus is the anointed one. What does the anointing do? It breaks all the yokes off of our life. It breaks the chains off of our lives. That's what the anointing does. Jesus is the anointed one, the capital the, the anointed one, the one from whom all anointing and power flow. He came to deliver us, and he came to anoint us, and he came to break hell's power over our lives. And I want to encourage you as we worship him as Savior, as we worship him as the anointed one, I'm telling you, God can do supernatural things all throughout this congregation without anybody laying hands on you, touching you, praying with you. God can do those things because he's alive and he's here and his presence is here and the anointing is here. That's how he is. And the last word I want you to get, he's the Savior, he's the Messiah, the anointed one, but it also refers to him as the Lord. He's the ruler. He is sovereign. He's the mighty God. Look at this wonderful passage from Isaiah that we love to enjoy during the holidays. Isaiah 9, verses 6 and 7. For unto us a child is born, a son is given. The government will rest on his shoulders. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, And I love this muscle-flexing, sovereign, awesome power ending. The government of all the nations of the world, the kingdom and all of its glory and all of its peace will be resting on his shoulders and the increase of his government will go on forever and ever and ever and ever without end because he's king of kings and lord of lords. Hallelujah! It is an eternal rule. Messiah, anointed one, Lord, ruler of everything. That's who we are going to worship in just a moment. And I want you to worship him with great expectation in your hearts. Lastly, and here's our transition. We can get our worship team making their way up here. But we talked about great glory and we talked about the good news and I want to end with glad worship. The Bible says this. This one angel, Gabriel, comes and he shares the good news. It only takes one angel to deliver the message, but I want you to see this. It takes a multitude to respond to the message. I want the weight of this to hit us. He shares one message about good news, great joy, all people, and all of heaven can't contain itself. (laughs) Have you ever been in a worship service when there's some good preaching and you're fired up and all of a sudden everybody responds and you stand to your feet and you cheer or or whatever the situation's been. I mean, all of heaven, it says that the host of heaven's armies is watching this, this take place. And when one angel says, let me tell you what's coming, they can't contain themselves. They're on their feet. They're shouting, glory to God, glory to God. We get a picture of this heavenly flash mob is what it was. It was you ever see those flash mobs at the mall when everybody starts singing and then before you know it, all, all the, glory, the glory is breaking out? This is a heavenly flash mob that happens. The angels can't contain themselves. And notice they're not wimpy angels. It says these are a multitude of heaven's armies 
These are warrior angels. They're going crazy. They're so excited over the news that's just been delivered. How many of you know we need to start making a big deal about our king? We need to make a big deal about Jesus. There, there needs to be a response that is worthy of Christ and the message. If there's a tepid response, it means we got a bad message. If there's a weak response in our passion, it means somehow we're not getting the message right. We've got to get the message and the response, and those two things got to go hand in hand. So I'm giving you a chance. In just a moment, we're going to be singing about some angels, those hearken herald angels, whatever that means. They're out there, they're out there singing. But we're going to join them today because all of heaven has been singing for a long time. We need to make a big deal. What is worship? I'm going to just lay some foundational things here. You know, with a group this size, there's people at all different parts of their journey with God. I get that. Some of you have been following Jesus and you're in love with Christ. You've been following him for decades and decades and decades. There's some of you in this room, you've had a relatively new experience with the Lord and, and you're, you're taking baby steps. There are some in this room, you, you're, I'm glad that you're here, by the way. I'm glad every one of you is here. But you might be far from God right now, and you're like, how did I get here this morning? I know how you got here this morning. God loves you, and he's chasing you down, and he wants to absolutely overwhelm you with his presence in just a second and, and undo you. Uh, that's what needs to happen. So here's the deal. What is worship? At its core, worship is starts on the inside and works its way out. You know, Jesus said this to a bunch of religious folks. He said, you're not really impressing me. He said, you worship me on the outside, but your heart's a mile away. You know, you're singing all the songs. You got them memorized, but your heart's a mile away. I, I want to ask all of us to do a p- little bit of personal examination right here this morning, okay? You don't have to examine your spouse, your kids, the people in front of you. Turn it inward. And here's the question I want to ask you this morning. Do you cherish and treasure Jesus Christ above all things? It's a great question, isn't it? How many of you know we've all fallen short on that one? Love the Lord your God with all your heart and your soul and mind and strength. That's a tall order. Only Jesus can help us love Jesus. Have you figured that one out? Only Jesus can help us love Jesus. We need his help. But I want, to, I want you to ask yourself that question. Out of all of the loves in your life, do you cherish Jesus more than any other love of your life? That's what worship is. It starts with a fiery sense of affection in your heart for God that you begin to release. And I, w- I want to give you very quickly here three components that are going to help us this morning, and then we're going to worship. We need to worship God with our words this morning. There's some people say, you know, my faith's private, and I'm not, really, I'm not a real expressive person. Um, that's fine, until Jesus gets on the inside. If the Jesus we just described lives in you, he's working his way out, trust me. Imagine if I was dating my wife, and I said, you know, I, I'm, I'm just not a very expressive guy. I'm a male. I don't communicate well. But you just have to trust me, honey, that inside of me right now is blazing affection for you. In fact, in fact, I can hardly contain myself. Um, don't marry, ladies, help, I'm giving you help. Don't marry that guy. He needs an encounter with Jesus first. 
because Jesus gets all the pipes clean. And once the pipes get clean, listen, when there's fire in the oven, it's got to get released. The heat's got to come out somewhere. Otherwise, it blows up. So what's the heat? It's worship. And you worship with your mouth, with your lips. The Bible says the fruit of your lips. In fact, look at this verse, Hebrews 13, 15. Through Jesus, let us continually offer to God a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips that openly profess his name. Isn't that good? There's no such thing as a private relationship with Jesus because as soon as he's in you, he wants to go public. And you can't contain that. You all with me? So you begin, and I, guys, I get it, we're growing. Some of you are like, man, I, I grew up in a church where we just stood there, and we kneeled, we stood, we did this, we did that, we left, we're done in a half an hour. I'm not used to all this, Pastor. Well, I'm just going to sick the Holy Spirit on all of you this morning, and, uh, and I'll just let him set you free. Here's the beautiful thing. When you open your mouth for the first time, and you don't just stare at words or, or sing words without passion you begin to release love for God in your heart. And you start talking, and you know what? You start preaching to yourself, and you start declaring to God. Before you know it, there's a fire raging inside of you. And I'll tell you this, it feels so good. Not because we're based on feelings, but because it's what we were created to do. There's a naturalness about it. Does that make sense? All right, quickly, I gotta move on. You guys are asking too many questions. All right, number two, we worship with others. This is so important. The Bible says there was a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God. Listen, you've got to have personal quiet time with the Lord. Amen? Personal quiet time. You need to worship in private. Listen, you can open up your home and have half a dozen people over and worship at your home. And you should do that. Praise the Lord. But listen to me. There's a time when the greatness of God demands a multitude of response. And we are the multitude this morning. Uh, all voices. I remember one of the greatest times in my life was when we were at one of the Promise Keepers event in Atlanta at the stadium there. There were about forty to 50,000 pastors at that event, and we were all singing in unison, and the presence of God in that echoing, in that place, our praise, uh, and, the, and the loudness of it. How, how many of you know what I'm talking about? Loudness of it. Not making just noise, but making heavenly noise of men singing with all their hearts praising God. It was, it was rapturous. It was incredible. There's something about all of us getting together and releasing praise to God with a joyful shout of celebration that's awesome. And let me end with this. I'm going to leave plenty of running room this morning. We not only worship with our words, we worship with others. We also worship with our body. Let's talk about this for a minute. We need to let our bodies express what our hearts are feeling. Let your heart be awakened by your body. What am I talking about? Well, I'll give you some examples. The Bible says, Psalm 141, verse 2, May the lifting up of my hands be like the evening sacrifice, the psalmist says. This is a sacrifice right here when it's done from a pure heart. Lifting up holy hands to worship the Lord. Look at this next one, Psalm 63, 3 and 4. Because your love is better than life, my lips will glorify you. 
I will praise you as long as I live, and in your name I will lift up my hands. You know, sometimes people stand. Sometimes people get a little jog going on. Sometimes people hop. Sometimes people lay on their faces. Sometimes people kneel down. Sometimes people shake their fists. Man, when we're singing about the reign of God and the power of God, I'm with Him. I like to rejoice in His strength. Amen? When we're singing about the goodness of God, <laughs> sometimes you just got to laugh. Sometimes you just got to let out a little, a little humor from your heart, a little holy, holy joy from your heart. It's not about what we do, but it is this. Your, this temple was made to glorify God. This temple was made to respond to God. That's why, you know, there's nothing. This is not like holy ground in front of the stage up here. But many times during our worship service, we invite you, come on down. Here's, here's how I envision it. This is what I'm asking you to do this morning. I'm asking you to bring the gift of worship to the king. What is the gift? Turn to your neighbor and say, it's you, all right? Tell them, it's you. You're the gift. You're the gift. So how do you, if you were bringing me a gift this morning, you would approach me, would you not? Because you couldn't give me a gift from your car on the way home. You can't do that. You would approach me. And you would look to me and you would hand me a gift and you would communicate hopefully nice things unless it was a bomb or something like that. All right, you would let me know how much you love me. What am I going to do? I'm inviting you to bring a gift. The gift is you. Where are we bringing it? Well, you don't have to leave your seat to bring it, but if, if you need to leave your seat, you come out right up here and you say, here I am, Jesus. I'm bringing you me. And you know what the Lord says? Yes, that's what I wanted for Christmas. You know that the Lord wants you for Christmas. I'm serious. He wants you for Christmas. He wants your heart. He wants to enjoy you. He wants to celebrate with you. And he wants you to bring him the gift that he longs for, your worship. So stand to your feet, and we're going to worship our way out of here today. And I want to encourage you, if you want to shout, shout. If you want to lift your hands, lift your hands. If you want to laugh or bless somebody or hug somebody, you just go right ahead. But we're going to magnify the greatness of our King. Amen? Let's do it.